Hello, welcome to today's edition of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast coming to you on Thursday. Uh, well, we're recording Wednesday, the night before the NFL draft. It's like Christmas Eve to losers like us. So we're going to talk about um, Corwin has a mock draft that he does every year. It's fantastic. We're going to get into that this um, as we prep for the draft. So if you um, listen to your podcasts in, in chronological order, make sure you put this one at the top of your list so you're ready for draft day tonight. Corwin, you ready? I am ready, sir. All right, then. Let's do it. All right. So you know how these usually go. Um, this is not necessarily what I would do just because that's a little boring at this point. It, you know, it's going to be so different uh, from what actually happens. This is what I think it would go down uh, like if there were no trades involved. I did not have any trains, trades in this final draft because, face it, uh, any draft or any draft day trade is going to completely throw the rest of these picks out the window um, and it would just be so impossible to predict and trying to predict my own trades when there's so much uncertainty around that is useless. So I just went without it. Um, I do want to say this draft uh, is likely going to be the most chaotic. Uh, definitely a lot of people have been saying that over the past couple of days, just because there's so much uncertainty, so much just, different levels of information that teams have about these guys. You know, some guys brought them in for workouts. Some teams weren't able to bring anyone in. It's just a whole lot of no one knows what's really going to go down. And it's hard to really predict these things when there's so much little information that, you know, the media has about these guys as well. So it's going to be an exciting thing to watch. Um, I honestly expect to get maybe – 15% 15% of these picks right, which is, you know, I usually predict a lot more than that. I think especially now uh, this is going to actually fall in the maybe I get two or three right, um, but we'll see. Let's jump right on, t- on into it. Picks one Let's and two, same as always. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, nothing fancy there. I think there's going to be a couple teams going to be calling up the Redskins saying, hey, can we trade up with you? And they should say, go fuck yourself because Chase Young is just that caliber of player. There's just not many teams that would be willing to trade up and pay as much as the Redskins would need to get back in order to even think about it. And the teams that do are in a position where it's not necessary. So Joe Burrow, Chase Young, number one. I have the Lions staying put at number three. Again, no trades. They're taking Jeffrey Akuda. He is the third best prospect out there right now. They don't need a quarterback. This is filling in a big need now that Darius Slay is gone. Again, this is nothing new. Uh, the Giants. The Giants have been having a lot of news uh, at number four about what uh, they're going to be doing there. Every little bit of news up until the past two, three days has been Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons. Now there's talk of uh, the Dolphins trying to trade up to number three with the Lions so that they can take their offensive tackle uh, before the Giants do. That we'll get into at the Dolphins pick. 
I think Dave Gettleman is going to look at this and say, if we draft a tackle, this isn't something that's going to make us a marginally better team this year compared to, you know, down the road. The tackle is the better long-term option. Um, it's a better, it's a harder position to kind of project, even with guys like Jedrick Wills at the top, Andrew Thomas, who's, you know, a very, very high floor guy. Um I think they're going to go with Isaiah Simmons. We've talked about this a lot previously about Gettleman being on the hot seat. I think he goes with a guy that can plug in almost anywhere on the defense and make a name for himself, make a difference early on, hopefully save his job. At number five, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I can honestly say that I have no earthly idea what they're going to do with their pick. They've been saying... Justin Herbert all along. That's what most people have been saying. Their interest uh, lies with him. I still don't wholeheartedly believe it. I still think Tua is just so significantly better as a prospect. Um, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Justin Herbert as a franchise quarterback. The more and more I've been able to watch him over the past two weeks or so, three weeks, the more concerned I am about just so many different things, just the complete inconsistencies, the lack of improvement over his four years starting at Oregon. Um, man, he has such a high ceiling, but the floor is also super low. Uh, think Blaine Gabbert type of uh, floor. Wow, that is a rough comparison. Yeah, it's it's kind of a similar situation where he can boom or bust uh, just super polar uh, prospects, and the floor is Blaine Gabbert. So there you go. Um, so it real real quick, um, if if they take Tua and for or honestly if they take either of these guys and it doesn't pan out, um, are they really like that much worse off? Not really. I you mean, know, like I feel like they're in a good position to take a gamble, you know, because like there's not really much of a team there right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna be a while before that team's competitive, just in general, and I've. Still think that taking a quarterback is probably the right call for them because you need that, and no one's ever in a really in a position to just turn down what could be a franchise quarterback. So if that's the case, like take the gamble on Tua, right? The way higher ceiling. Yeah, I mean Tua is just all around a better prospect. As high of a ceiling Herbert has, Tua's is honestly higher. Um, he also is just uh, adds a whole nother level with his legs. That while Justin Herbert's athletic has not shown the same level. It's one of those things where just preference aside, Tua is still a better prospect. There are major injury concerns there. He's been a guy that's been hurt so often. And since they can't bring him in to have medical checks, it's a whole lot of, well, are we going to trust these third-party doctors and not our own internal guys? That's something we're going to see tonight. Um, It's hard to say. I think. Herbert is not around one quarterback, let alone a top five pick. Um, my opinion of him has definitely dropped lately. So as much as I want to give Tua to the Dolphins, I still have them taking Herbert because that's what everyone says is going to happen. Um, if they do end up trading up with the Lions for number three for Tua, I love it. Uh, if they trade up to three for a tackle to leapfrog the Giants, well, I can't say I hate it. Um, 
because the value is there. A guy like Jedrick Wills is worth a top three pick, but at the same time, you're moving up from five where you're still going to have a top tackle right there. Uh, A guy like Andrew Thomas who can start day one for you and uh, is now my number two guy. It's, It's just there's so many options they have. I think trading up just limits the amount of capital they can spend on players that they so desperately need. So the Dolphins definitely control this draft. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like they certainly have the capital to do almost whatever they want, but their mm-hmm. team's also a blank, blank canvas which desperately needs paint. Um, so, yeah, like they they need to fill up a fucking roster, and uh, it makes no real sense for them to give up capital to do it. Yep. So we'll move on. Uh, we will definitely dissect the Dolphins after the draft and just dive right in on their strategy because. They're a well-run team uh, by everything we've seen in the past couple months. I don't know if they are the type of team that is going to be a consistently well-run team, if this draft is really going to fix them, but we are definitely going to break them down uh, probably ad nauseum for a while. Uh, Moving on to six, if Herbert's the quarterback taken at five, I have Tua going to the Chargers. I think this is a, a super great fit for them. Um, I think this is tremendous value, and then this instantly makes the Chargers a contender. Um, Tua essentially has the ceiling of Drew Brees. Uh, very similar uh, passing ability, very similar strengths. Tua adds more with his legs. You know, Tua is not you know Lamar Jackson by any means, but he does have the uh, ability to run with the ball. Um, again, we. Don't know the 100% true diagnosis with his hip, so maybe that will affect things, but a huge, huge win for the Chargers. The Panthers at number seven, uh, it's one of those things where they have a lot of holes to fill in a couple different locations. They could easily uh, take a tackle here. They could take Derek Brown. They could take you know C.J. Henderson. They could take a wide receiver. They have so many options. I have them going with Derek Brown. Uh, cementing that defensive line but again with joe brady coming to town uh, i could see them wanting to protect their new quarterback teddy bridgewater want to shore up that line for christian mccaffrey who just got a huge contract possibly going offensive tackle there um so maybe a guy like jedrick wills tristan works depending on who's there regardless number eight the cardinals with Derek Brown gone, who has been uh, their widely talked about prospect of choice, um, their number two guy has been Tristan Wirfs. Um, my number three, four tackle right now, it's hard to put him there, but that's who the Cardinals seemingly love, so I'm going to have him go there at number eight. Um, and then nine at the Jags. The Jags have been uh, very much talked about the past couple of days about what they're going to do. They're another one of these teams where no one really has any cement information about what their plans are. Um, offensive tackle is a need, but not a huge need. Wide receiver is a pretty big need, but it's uncertain whether or not that that's the path they're going to take. Um, and then cornerback with A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey gone um, is huge. I have them going Jedrick Wills here. Uh, you know, he's the top player left on the board for me uh, at a super premium position. Uh, so the value is hard to pass up being, you know, no wide receivers are off the board yet. 
There's already two of the top four guys taken at left tackle or offensive tackle, excuse me. Uh, the value is here to get the top guy at either one of those positions um, while there's still plenty of room for them to uh, snatch one of the top wide receivers with their next pick. So uh, this was a little bit of a, a chess move by the Jaguars that we'll see how it works out tonight. And then rounding out the top 10, the Cleveland Browns are taking Becky Becton. Uh, really great fit for them on the to fill in at either left or right tackle, depending on uh, where they have Jack Conklin. Uh, instantly is going to help out that run game. Uh, really nice system fit for them. Um, natural fit. And then, go ahead. Were you saying something? Uh, so what do you think is the biggest takeaway from this top 10 that you put together? Uh, man, it's it's hard to say just because there's so much uncertainty. Um, I know I said this earlier and I'll say it a hundred more times. This is such a chaotic draft. I don't think I'm going to be confident with any single pick after pick two. I mean, I have guys that I really like at certain locations uh, and I'll mention, but at the end of the day, you know, I have no idea how this is going to end up and it's just going to be dominoes falling back and forth. And, you know, normally dominoes fall in a straight line wherever the path leads. But I think this is going to be one of those, um, what is it? Goldberg, Rube Goldberg machines. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think Rube Goldberg is right. That just goes all over the fucking map. So, so uh, if, if you had, if I gave the over under for for trades within the top ten picks at three and a half, mm. which way do you go? I'm gonna take the under, just because I think with everyone having to do this virtually online, I think there's gonna be uh, a real decrease in mid round trades, just because there's gonna be so much uncertainty with levels of technology communication it's going to be such an issue uh, especially not having everyone together in the same room i think that's really gonna drag out those trade talks um, at the same so, time though i'm just curious because i've been seeing a lot of tweets from adam schefter recently mm-hmm. talking about how um there's a lot of interest like he's he, i think he tweeted out like we could end up seeing a run on on offensive tackles like he said that one of his uh connects said that like there's a chance all four offensive tackles are gone in the, in the first 10 picks oh yeah and, and i saw he said that there's interest from the uh, dolphins about moving up and there's interest from the buccaneers about moving up and that leads to interest from the jets about moving up because everyone these are all teams that want offensive tackles, including teams that are already in the top 10 and might not need to move for like the dolphins moving up to get a top to get a tackle from five to three would be crazy because oh, yeah. you'd think that they'd be already very, not much well situated to get one, but it's you're right. This is, this is fucking tough because it feels like everyone's needs are disparate and yet similar. Mm-hmm. Like, like needs are grouped really strongly. You know, like, yeah. like, like, there's like a, a solid core of teams that like need quarterbacks and a solid core of teams that like need an offensive lineman. And there's not like this team needs a strong safety and this need, team needs mm-hmm. a cornerback and this team needs an edge rusher. It's like, it's like everyone's competing for like the same mm-hmm. groups of, of positions. It's weird. Yeah. It's one of those things like, um, 
you know, we mentioned the Dolphins. They might be sitting on a trade to move up to three and then, you know, for a tackle and then packaging 18 and 26 to move up for a quarterback that falls. There's talks of uh, the Browns moving back and the uh, Falcons moving up into the top 10 for a cornerback like CJ Henderson. It's, there's a lot of trades that could be set up before the draft starts. Um, you know, these guys have had their plans probably cemented for at least a couple of days, possibly even, you know, a week or more now with where they're going to go with these picks and what they want to do. So they've had time to talk these trades out. They can set that up in advance, you know, and just say, hey, if this guy's available, we're going to go through with this trade or whatever it may be. It's just, I think it's going to be hard with, you know, guys who are not exactly the most technologically advanced. I mean, Dave Guttman, of all people, I would be concerned that he is not on the ESPN fantasy website when he looks at this mock draft going. You know, it's. He's going to draft Plax Burris. Right. Like, it's, there's so much that could happen with these guys that aren't technically proficient and without people in their houses to kind of walk them through step by step that I think it's going to put, you know, the kibosh on these huge mid-round trades that get done at the wire. That being said, the NFL has already said that they're going to allow essentially pauses. So in the past, if you don't make a pick in time, the next team is allowed to jump you in the draft order, make their selection until the original team gets their pick in. Uh, the NFL has already said because of, you know, the extenuating circumstances here, they're going to say if your timer runs out, you can kind of keep going and make your pick, you know, depending on what's going on. So the draft clock is uh, very much less of a priority now than it hasn't been in the past. So we'll see if that helps out with trades. Uh, it's definitely something they said where if it, they're trying to work out a trade or in their talks of two teams moving that they're going to allow that to play out and not rush these teams. So I think it's going to put a little hurt. You know, I hope we still see them because it always makes it more fun, but I have my expectations set pretty low for that. Fair enough. But yeah, just on the you know final thoughts of the top 10, I could see all four offensive tackles being taken. I could see the top three wide receivers being taken. I could see two cornerbacks three quarterbacks. There are so many different options here that teams are going to go with. And, you know, the media has their think tank that, you know, I'm a part of just as much as anyone else. Um, so we really don't know what the actual NFL scouts and NFL front offices are thinking that, you know, the value might be totally different than what we project. So it's going to be so much fucking fun. How much do you love or hate the term smokescreen? Um, I like it. I mean, I don't love it. It's not, you know, the coolest word ever, but it's accurate for what teams do. I mean, it's, it's definitely things that uh, front offices, you know, they will leak information to try and get others to think they're going this way so that they're more likely to get the guy they really want. It happens every year. Some teams are better at it than others. Some teams are awful with it. Like the Giants, Dave Gettleman has his pick leaked every year. That's why people have been basically writing Isaiah Simmons in, in pen. Um, that's why, you know, when people were hearing Daniel Jones last year, it was like, 
what is this? What is this smoke screen? What's going on? Because they didn't believe it, but all along that was the genuine pick. Um, so yeah, I mean, smoke screen, it, it might be overused, whatever. It's one of those zing words, you know, garbage pail, lunch pail kind of guy, real gym rat. It's whatever, but it's accurate. All right, fair enough. Um, you have any comments on this next pick, the New York Jets? I'm very curious to hear what you got us slated for. It's the exact same as it was, I think. Uh, I don't know if the player's the same, but the position is Andrew Thomas, tackle Georgia. Um, then I'm a happy man. I honestly don't know if he's even going to make it out of the top five or six um, because he is, you know, he's probably my number two prospect right now just because he is such a certain thing at tackle as, you know, as much as that's, uh, I forget the word, uh, oxymoron. There's never a sure thing at tackle. He's as close as you can get right now. Uh, super high floor is going to consistently be a starter for the next 10 years and can start day one with relative ease, real good against the run. Uh, I think teams are really going to value that there's not a lot of questions with him. Uh, they don't have to take this huge risk at tackle in the top 10. So uh, it would be a good pickup for the Jets. We'll see if he's still there. Um, they do miss out on wide receiver, but we'll see. We'll see how the second round goes on uh, Friday night. Yeah, um, I think we talked about this previously because I was going to make some points that definitely feels like I already said. But if I, I I want the Jets, I want the Jets to take offensive linemen last year. So I'm I'm very much so wanted them to take an offensive lineman this year. Uh, I think what I said last time, which I will stand by this, is if the Jets use all I think six picks that we have throughout the entirety of the draft exclusively on offensive linemen, I wouldn't even care. So. Yeah. That's where I stand. I think we both share the uh, the mindset that the offensive line is a foundation for the rest of your team, and it's one of the most important and yet often overlooked positions. Um, and especially with the young quarterback that has been inconsistent his first two years, I'd want to have the best protection around him as possible. At the same time, you want to have weapons for him to throw to, but you can get yourself a damn good wide receiver at the top of the second round. And, you know, there might be six or seven tackles taken in the first round, and there are not six or seven first-round grades at tackle for me. So the depth is definitely not there for offensive linemen. All right, number 12. This is one of those picks that if someone doesn't trade up in front of them, this is – almost set in stone. Um, Henry Ruggs, the third wide receiver out of Alabama, going to the Raiders, just fits, you know, the Raiders ideology, fits the team needs so well. Um, Henry Ruggs has been jumping up my board the past couple days, um, you know, going back and watching him. He is uh, he's a complete receiver. He has some tremendous hands. He runs in the four two, uh, four twos for the 40. He is uh, going to rival guys like Tyreek Hill for the fastest player in the NFL right now. Um, he plays fast with pads. Uh, he is complete. Uh, and you know what? If he gets taken significantly higher than this, I won't be terribly surprised. But uh, good pickup for the Raiders. 
next up, the 49ers, another team that has been talking about moving back. I've heard them moving up. I have no idea where they're going to pick, but if they stay put at 13, I have them taking C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, another one of those guys that is super well set for the NFL, plays super physical, has tremendous hands, um, reminds me a lot of DeAndre Hopkins that I've mentioned in the past. Um, really nice weapon for Kyle Shanahan. And then the Buccaneers at 14. Um, I guess now would be a good time to mention that they traded a fourth round pick for Rob Gronkowski and a seventh round pick. Um, we might as well dive into that now. I think this is one of those trades that's an absolute win for both. The Patriots are trading a guy that is by all means retired and was never going to play for them for a fourth round pick. And the Bucks are trading a fourth round pick for the best tight end to ever play the game. I don't know how anyone could look at that trade and say one team lost. Um, both teams got tremendous value there. This doesn't affect the Buccaneers' uh, first round plans uh, at all, just because there's no tight end worth taking in the top 100 picks, uh, in my mind. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it's definitely going to help his protection in Tampa Bay. That's been my biggest concern for them. Um, but at the same time with the top four tackles being taken, I see, you know, hard pressed to take a guy like Josh Jones at 14, that just value isn't there. Um, so I have them taking CJ Henderson quarterback out of Florida. Their secondary hasn't been great the past couple of years. They put a lot of capital into their cornerbacks already. Um, but it's, it's hard to say whether or not the, the talent jump last year is going to stick especially like a guy like Vernon Hargraves, who's been so up and down. So grabbing a guy who can easily go in the top 10, like Henderson, uh, good value for the books. Uh, just to add to the Tampa shit. Um, yeah, there was a, a report I saw that, uh, you know, take that for what it, take that word. Uh, uh, what's the opposite of like strictly loosely, loosely. Um, but it said like the uh, Gronk was in talks for playing with the Patriots next season, which uh, I'm not sure I totally buy. Uh, but yeah, it, this is it's a no brainer. The 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 Pats get a fourth round pick for basically a seventh round pick because, um, like you said, Gronk wasn't going to play for them, and the Tampa Buccaneers are like already making a big old bet that Tom Brady is going to work out for them. Which uh, if you can make it like this is this is that same like so if it works out excellent now you have a gronk if it doesn't work out it wasn't going to work out anyway you know if 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 the if the brady shit doesn't work out then it doesn't matter what you did with gronk because you just sunk your future into brady so i mean yeah to, total no brainer for both sides um uh, it's so weird and i just really really hope it hurt everyone in new england's feelings <laughs> um i saw el presidente uh, Forget his real name. Um, the barstool guy, Dave Portman. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he was not happy, which always makes me happy because yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, did you see the uh, the video, the interview? I guess it was with Rob Gorkowski where he said he was traded to the Lions two years ago, but he was like, when he was told, he was like, 
what are you talking about? I'm retired now. You can't trade me. And then got out of the trade. And then I think he ended up playing for the Patriots one final year. Like that was his last year. But got out of being traded to the Lions. Yeah, I remember that. That was a big That's deal. Fucking crazy. Um, I don't remember that. I don't know where I was. If I don't remember it, whatever it may be, that was a, a hilarious story to hear. Um, I fucking bet. Goes. Yeah. You know what? I'll say Gronk is one of the best storytellers. You know, he's not the most eloquent the way he speaks, but his enthusiasm mm. and just his energy—it just makes you feel for the guy. I love him. Ah. Oh. I wish he didn't play for the Patriots. I know. That's the thing that fucking bothers me the most is that, like, I feel like if he was on literally any other team, I would absolutely love him. I really hate that the Steelers went so far out of their way to design their new defense to beat Rob Gronkowski. And it, well, failed at first. And now when we finally have a defense that could do it, he plays in the NFC. So, uh, of yeah. course. Yeah, that's how that usually goes. Um, let's see. Uh, all right, so at 15, the Broncos are taking another wide receiver here, Jerry Judy, wide receiver at Alabama. Uh, it's one of those things where the value is here for the Broncos. He'd be a good fit for their system. Um, I like my boy Deshaun Hamilton as their number two there. Well, I like Deshaun Hamilton. I don't exactly like him as a number two wide receiver in the NFL. I think he'd be a great number three, and Jerry Jones would make a great number number two. Uh, I mean, they got Cortland Sutton there. They have Drew Locke. They have Melvin Gordon. This could be a fiery offense next year uh, with the guy self-proclaimed the Jew uh, at 15. Love it. Did we talk about that? I feel like we did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I love it, but I can't say. Uh, it's weird, I but I mean, I don't mind. All right. 16. Again, I don't think the Falcons are going to be picking here at 16. I think they're going to be moving up, like uh, Thomas Dimitrov has said a couple times for, uh, honestly, weeks and months now. Um, he's been hinting at it. But if they do, I have them taking Christian Fulton, cornerback out of LSU. This starts that tier three of cornerbacks that there's like five or six guys there. Uh, Christian Fulton, A.J. Terrell, Trevon Diggs, uh, Jeff Gladney, uh, Jalen Johnson, Noah Igobana, name that I will never be able to pronounce correctly. And it's tough because I have them all ranked so closely. Um, it's it's They're all essentially going to be taken from I think 16 to 32, 38. Um, it's going to be a, a very cornerback-heavy area of the draft. Uh, the more I've heard lately, I think Trevon Diggs is probably more likely going to be the guy here, uh, at least be the first one of that group taken. Uh, teams just love his athleticism and his potential, uh, as well as his length. So Christian Fulton is my pick here. I wouldn't be surprised by Trevon Diggs. I know what you mean by teams love his length, but that's also a hilarious sentence. <laughs> like, just imagine a room full of old white dudes. Kids got great length, Murray. Best length we've seen in years. <laughs> oh, He's got should. length coming out of shorts. 
We should write some serious fan fiction about that. Um, I'm ready. I'll I'll write the character of the the Jew, Jerry Judy. <laughs> um, actually, Trevon Diggs uh, is brothers with Stefan Diggs. Oh, really? I think it's brothers, maybe like cousins or something. Like they're very closely related. Um, but yeah, I I just found that out. Uh, really surprised me. It's one of those funny things where it's like because of how many people over the course of like history have played a sport, you tend not to associate last names because it's like it overlaps you, so much. Yeah, it really does. And then when you find out that someone with the last name actually is related to someone else with the same last name, it's like, oh, huh, never would have thought about that, huh? <laughs> and you feel like a fucking idiot. But it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, at 17, uh, the Cowboys taking Caleb on Chason, um, the number two edge prospect here. Uh, he, he's one of those guys where I think he could go as high as, you know, 13. I think he could go as low as like 25, 26. So the, a pretty decent sized window for him. The Cowboys have a lot of needs. Uh, cornerback, one of them. Safety, one of them. Fans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh i can honestly see them going you know why so i think caleb on chase on fits the biggest need i know we've talked about this probably in the past with uh alden smith coming in how much faith are the cowboys going to give him to not only stay back but perform while he is back uh, i think chase on is a, a good fit for them 18, the Dolphins' number two pick. I have them going Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. Uh, one of those things where the Dolphins need protection for whoever their quarterback is going to end up being more than anything. Uh, I think they most definitely need to take two tackles in the first round, whether that's at 3, 5, 18, 26, wherever the fuck they end up picking. Uh, they need to double down on that. So Josh Jones, uh, pretty clear number five guy for most people um, going there. At 19, we have the Raiders. Second pick, uh, here I have them taking A.J. Terrell, cornerback out of Clemson. Uh, one of those guys that performed well against some of the top players. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, again, there's so many of these guys so close together. I think the focus should be on position of cornerback being taken by the Raiders and not exactly specific cornerback being taken. Um, so, yeah. At 20, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars with their second pick taking Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. If they're going to not take a quarterback in the first round here, if they are going to give Gardner Minshew the job, they should at least surround him with weapons. Um, you know, they still have Leonard Fournette at the recording of this podcast, so they don't need to go running back. DJ Chark had a, uh, a really fantastic sophomore season, but after that, DD Westbrook uh, had a sophomore slump, uh, and there's not much else there. Marquise Lee was cut, so have them taking uh, a top wide receiver here, uh, giving him some weapons, allowing him to hopefully perform to his fullest capability. Uh, very important. What do you think of, just real quick as an interjection, what do you think of the Marquise Lee uh, cut situation? Um, I'm not terribly surprised. If you looked at his usage numbers the past couple of years, you know, I think it was his sophomore season that he really broke out. 
Um, but after that, it was it was a whole lot of nothing because he didn't play much. He's been hurt so much. You know, it's it's one of those things where the guy could have been a lot better if he was healthy, but never was. So it's hard to say. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. At 21, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, desperate needed wide receiver. Uh, this is one of the few teams that has single clear-cut need that, I, honestly, I hope they take no matter what, um, just because it's so big for them. Uh, I have them taking Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor. Size, speed guy with, you know, not the best hands, but better than people are saying. Um, I think he's uh, has the chance to be a, a really great wide receiver if he can put it all together. Um, really, you know, electric athlete. Uh, plays physical. Really plays the catch point well. Um, you know, doesn't always have the greatest separation, but knows how to utilize leverage and create space when he needs it. Um, in case you can't tell by how much I'm talking up these things, I've watched a lot of Denzel Mims, and I love this guy. Uh, if he could fall to 49, I would fucking love it if the Steelers could take him, but I don't think there's any chance that happens. Um, It'd be uh, one hell of a fall, but I guess yeah, stranger really. things have happened. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's post a video of him smoking a falling out of a gas mask. I can see no reason why that wouldn't uh, be perfect for you. <laughs> that seems like uh, a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Yeah, especially for the Steelers, you know. They never have drug issues in the past. They have not had a single Le'Veon Bell issue since Le'Veon (laughs) Bell stopped being on the team. Uh, Sure, I'll agree with that, yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 22, the Vikings. With uh, the top five wide receivers gone, uh, I don't see them reaching for one of the next tier guys. I think there's a bit of a drop-off after Mims. Um, I have them taking Yuturkos Matos, edge rusher out of Penn State. One hell uh, of a name. Oh, fantastic. 80-grade name right there. Um, again, I've talked a lot about how much I love this guy. I think 22 is tremendous. Wow. Tremendous value uh, for the Vikings. Really would fit in well on the defensive line. Could play a couple different positions for them.
Can you hear me now? Uh, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, it kept telling me I got disconnected. Like, Weird. Off and on, off and on, off and on. Um, okay, what was the last thing you heard? Uh, I think you were just wrapping up the Yetter Gross Matza stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, wow, you missed like two whole picks. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's I d- you definitely didn't get to Caesar Ruiz yet. Okay, that's fine. Um, next up, 23, the New England Patriots. Uh, I know I had Jordan Love taken here in the last two mock drafts that we've done, um, but I do think that they like Jared Stidham, want to give him a good chance. So although I think it might be a good strategic play to take Jordan Love and see how he pans out, I think they're going to want to build on that foundation of the offensive line, taking a guy like Cesar Ruiz, interior offensive lineman out of Michigan. Dante Skarnecki is gone, uh, longtime offensive line coach there. So they're going to need marquee players to fill in those those roles on that line. Um, I could see them going with a guy like Kenneth Murray here because he seems like the kind of guy Bill Belichick would love. And they have you know a relatively decent-sized hole at linebacker uh, with Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, those guys gone. Um, but again... Offensive line is the foundation, so have them going. Cesar Ruiz. All right. Now at 24, we have the New Orleans Saints, uh, who doesn't have much, if any, holes, uh, but they do have that white guy, Kiko Alonso, at linebacker, who, by all means, not a great football player anymore. So taking a linebacker, Patrick Queen here out of LSU, uh, essentially on the same level of prospect as uh, a guy like Kenneth Murray. I think the instincts are a little better if you are giving up some of that uh, sideline, sideline speed, covered skills, whatnot. Um, but I think that fills in for the Saints nicely uh, across from a guy like Alex Anzalone. Um, again, anyone the Saints pick here is going to be adding on to a strength. Uh, you know, They are the most complete roster out there. So if they do uh, move back, I could see that just because they don't need a top player. Could save some picks for next year. I could see them moving up and grabbing a guy that they do think they need because they don't really need all the draft capital that they do have. So a lot of options there for the Saints. What if they uh, traded their entire draft to move up for a running back? No, that would never happen. Uh, That would never happen. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine? We would literally I, never stop talking about if, it. In in all honesty, if something like that happened today, where a team traded not just their entire draft class, but even just significant capital to move up for a running back, if the running back isn't named Saquon Barkley, I would lose my goddamn mind. I just it, the value is just so ass backwards. It, I would honestly have an aneurysm. I might. Ooh, Ooh, spicy! It's like, like nightmare fuel for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm team chaos for everything that doesn't involve like, my personal rooting interests. So I would just be t- pickled pink. Uh, you know what? You do say that, and I can't help but agree that I would fucking love the just absolute batshit craziness of what that would be. So yeah, as long as it's not the. Probably go crazy with laughter. Yeah, as long as it's not the Jets. I don't give a flying fuck. 
although if it is the Jets, I will be profoundly sad. Oh man, that would just be. I would honestly call you on the phone and just be like, "Dude, I'm here for you. I'm sorry." <laughs> that might be the, that might be the thing that puts me back in therapy. <laughs> uh, that might force you to have your first drink. Oh God. Anyway, I'm um, getting I'm getting sad because I know that there was a team with a historic uh, sense of drafting or lack thereof that the Jets would have if there was a team to actually do this. It it, it would it would be us. I'd I be like, know. yeah. I don't know if it would be the Jets definitively, but there's no way they'd be out of my top five. Well, we'd have to be up there. We are, historically speaking, so bad at drafting. <sighs> hey, at least you didn't draft Trent Richardson. I was watching some of his cut-up tape today, and oof, that boy that boy needed glasses. We also didn't um, draft Ryan Leaf. There you go. Yeah, so you got Two that. guys we didn't draft. <laughs> you know who else we didn't draft? Peyton Manning. <laughs> so we can play this game all night. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't even know where I am. Uh, 25. Vikings, their second pick. Uh, I said that they were going to be able to have uh, a cornerback or a running wide receiver. They were going with a wide receiver a little bit later. Um, But again, I think that they still need cornerbacks too. And I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know why I made this pick, but it's listed here. Um. I have them taking Jeff Gladney, cornerback out of TCU. Again, one of those guys in that uh, large tier of cornerbacks. He would fit nicely. Very good wide or very good cornerback. A little bit on the smaller side, but that's not the end of the world. Uh, I think that's one of those traits that's um, a little overvalued, um, and I think the Vikings would find excellent use for him. And again, this wide receiver class is just so unbelievably deep. There's guys who are going to get taken in the fourth round. They're going to have starting potential from day one. Um, I assume my train of thought was get value here while you can and go for the the deeper positions a little bit later on. Fair enough. Uh, Next up, the Dolphins. Like I said, I wanted to have them double up on offensive tackle, and I think – that is one of those things that, especially with the rumors about them moving up for one of the more premier tackles, uh, they're taking to heart. Austin Jackson here, the number six tackle on my board uh, at a USC. Um, it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have two rookie bookend tackles. There's going to be some growing pains, especially if they have a rookie quarterback behind them. But at the end of the day, long-term success for the team almost requires it. So, uh, definitely filling in a big need there. Uh, 27, the Seattle Seahawks. I have Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina, dropping here. A guy who has long been in the conversation for a top 10 draft selection. Um, apparently, there are some major, major medical red flags uh, concerning his uh, hip. Um, and it's something that is seriously going to push him down the board, especially at a a non-premier position like defensive tackle. Uh, I kind of put this in as like a worst-case scenario for him, um, falling nearly to the end of the first round. Uh, The Seahawks are definitely going to put him to use, definitely going to be able to use his versatility. Um, But yeah, he he is most likely going to take a tumble in the first round. 
Okay. Next up, the Ravens selecting Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, the other linebacker here uh, in that second tier of groups behind Isaiah Simmons. Simmons, excuse me. Um, he's kind of a perfect fit for that defense. Uh, very rangy linebacker. It's going to be able to do a lot for them, fill a lot of holes. Uh, only real concern is doesn't always have the greatest instincts uh, in coming into the gaps. That is something that can easily be coached up, and I have a lot of faith as a Steelers fan in their defensive coordinator and head coach to kind of get him on the straight and narrow. Um, next up at 29, a bit of a surprise pick that none of us have really talked about in the past. Left him out of my two previous mock drafts. Isaiah Wilson, right tackle out of Georgia, has only ever played right tackle, not really in consideration for left. Would be a fill-in uh, day one for Jack Conklin. Uh, he is arguably one of, if not the best, uh, run-blocking offensive tackles in this draft. I think with the Vikings' exotic smash mouth style uh, and clear desire to focus on uh, running Derrick Henry, um, I think he would be a fantastic scheme fit for them. Value-wise, a bit of a reach, but I don't expect him to make it to the uh, the Titans' second pick in the second round. So grabbing their guy here, even if it's not the, the sexiest pick, not even if it's the best value or best player available, uh, would fit well for the Titans. Um, at 30, I have another surprise guy here, Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver out of USC. Uh, this is one of those guys that, doesn't do anything exceptionally well, just happens to do everything well. Um, he has good size, uh, great physicality at the catch point, um, fairly good route runner, uh, has been productive throughout his career at USC. Another one of those guys I would be elated to have fall to the Steelers at 49. It's, I think he's going to be a guy that has been so underrated for so long. People are diving uh, at the bit to get him uh, talked about, and it's now at the point where I think he's finally getting the attention he deserves. Um, you know, I I don't know if he's going to go significantly higher than this, but I think he has the opportunity to if a team really falls in love with him. Going to the Packers here, um, I think would fill in super well uh, opposite Devontae Adams. I'm all about getting weapons around Aaron Rodgers uh, in his last couple of years. So uh, this is going to be a fun pick. What do you think his uh, his true BPA number is? Like if, uh, if, if positional need was for every team was just thrown out the window, where do you think he'd get picked based on talent? Uh, I'd say he'd probably be around 40. Um, okay, so, I mean, okay. 10 isn't exactly crazy. But, you know, in the first round, those things kind of are accentuated more um, just because the value you know, falling off per pick is, is more than it would be from 60 to 70 or 120 to 130. So, again, it's a reach. It's not a huge reach, and which is why I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he goes even higher. Yeah, not huge reaches is something you see uh, every single draft. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw, who's the guy last year? Rashad Penny went to the Seahawks, or that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have put him in my top 150 players, but 
there he was in the 20s. Wow. I That just reminds me how awful of a pick I was. That is just... <laughs> like I As don't... confusing now as it was then. Yeah, for real. Um, next up, 31, the 49ers. 31 and 32. You know, 49ers and the Chiefs. I don't think either one of these guys are going to pick here. Um, I th- am fairly certain the Chiefs have traded out of the first round. One of these teams has traded out. I am so out of focus right now. I can't even think. Um, but regardless, I, I think both of these teams are going to trade out, allow teams to trade back into the first round, uh, especially this year when there's so much chaos going on. Teams are going to want to be able to get their guy before, you know, the the stress of day two and uh, four guys can jump on that. Uh, the value if it's left on the table. So. Uh, regardless, I have them both going cornerbacks here. Uh, Trevon Diggs for the 49ers and Jalen Johnson for the Chiefs out of Alabama and Utah, respectively. Again, two guys that could easily go, you know, 16 or later, all in that tier of, uh, you know, tier three cornerbacks. But that closes out all 32 picks of this final mock draft. Um, I want to say I, I enjoyed making this last one, but there's there's so much uncertainty I have with it. I just it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is going to look really great for the next six hours, and then it's going to look just ridiculous. So, well, hey, I mean, if if, uh, if the MLB sorry if the NFL went the MLB route and like disallowed trades for draft picks, how how confident would you feel about these picks? Or there, uh, or or uh, let me let me just give a, give you some wiggle room. How good would you feel about these picks, plus or minus three spots? Ooh, plus or minus three spots. I feel like I could get within. I feel like a solid forty to forty five percent of them would be right. Um, just because I feel like again the dominoes thing. If if one guy gets taken super early. That's going to cause a little cascading effect down the line. Maybe maybe 50%, who knows? It, it's hard to say without, you know, knowing what that would look like. True. I have to go back and look at, like, past results. Well, all right, man, this was, this was super informative. I, I, I love this. Uh, when, when we get to, to take a look at your mock drafts, this is when I learned the names, pretty much, of the people <laughs> usually getting taken around. Um, uh, day one. After that, my knowledge is thin to slim to none. So uh, this is always a great pre-draft recap for me. I hope it was for all of you at home too. Um, if you're interested, I'm going to be live tweeting the draft tonight as you're listening to this. Um, I assume Josh will be on Twitter as well on the sick to football page. I'll be probably on my personal. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. We'll see. Um, But one of either my personal account or the podcast account is going to be heavily tweeted on. So follow both. Um, As always at juicing pod on Twitter. Oh, look at this. Oh, right there. It's right there at (laughs) juicing P O D. Um, 
So sexy. Yeah, it, honestly, like if you've never watched the draft before, it's a really easy thing to watch. It's 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 a panel of like four dudes um who tell you who might get picked. They don't actually know anything. And then so then Roger Goodell comes out after a really weird sound. And then he tells you what the pick is, and then people boo. And then those same four dudes tell you about well, who just got picked, and then they start telling you about who might get picked next. It's a thing that you could very much so have on in the background, uh, and then pay attention for like 30-second clips as needed. Um, and then it's fun. It's fun seeing... It's. I mean, I don't know how it's going to be this year, because it's all online, and that's weird and different, but when they do like, you know, the whole in-person thing, it's a production, and it's it's cool, and, and hey, especially right now, in a world with zero live sports, this is the closest thing to professional, normal sports we've got. This is the only normal sporting-related event that has not been postponed or changed. Um, so, I would recommend, out of any year, watching it this year yep um all right so i saw this cool thing on twitter the past couple days where people were posting uh their favorite team's draft picks over the past four or five years and then who they would have taken just as reference uh i saw a lot of uh, draft nitpicks doing this and whatnot so i thought we could do our own little uh attempt at doing so um obviously i've followed along with the draft a little bit longer than josh so uh, i made him go back and do it uh, more recently which uh, i'm really excited to see um his uh his thoughts on this do you want to do this year by year or team by team um year by year would work well year by year is probably the easiest all right uh, do you want I, to s- I, sorry <laughs> what were you uh, saying you go, you go ahead I, I was gonna say I, I I've only looked at the Jets because these are the only names I know. Um, so I I want to do 2019 going back to 2015. Or you want to do 2015 going forward? Let's do 2019. That's the top of my page. All right. So the 2019 with the number three overall pick, the New York Jets took Quentin Williams in the first round, defensive tackle out of Alabama. I did not want Quentin Williams, um, not because I don't believe in Quentin Williams because he's now with the Jets, and sure, why not? Uh, more so just because the Jets have taken so many interior <laughs> defensive linemen throughout just my lifetime. It's fucking insane. It feels like it's every year. Like, I know it's not, but oh my God, it feels like it. Holy shit. Um, and I didn't think it was a position of need for us. I still don't really think that. Um, Quentin Williams has been fine, but ineffective in his first season, I would say. Not saying anything about future performance. I wanted, I'm trying to recall. I'm pretty sure I actually wanted Josh Allen, the outside linebacker. I remember um, you saying that. I believe this is who I wanted. I'm looking through the other names. These are all names I recall, especially as they've already been drafted. But hmm. I believe Josh Allen was my guy this year, knowing damn well that Nick Bosa wasn't falling to three. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2019. I mean, before I move on, Quinn and Williams, the jury is very much still out. It's been one year. I still think he was probably the second best player in the draft last year. I'll stand by that rating. Um, but yeah, the Jets' tendency to take defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen, linemen is truly hilarious. It's startling, uh, honestly. If, <laughs> if they draft Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw this year, I... Again, I'm going to call Josh on the phone and say everything's going to be all right. 
I'm here for you. <laughs> and it won't be. That's that's the real tragedy that we're not talking about. It won't be all right. I'm so <laughs> sad. Right. I'm like preemptively sad that they're going to fuck it up. <laughs> I feel for you, my friend. I feel for you. Anyway, um, give me yours. So 2019 was a weird year. Um, the Steelers traded up to number 10 overall. I believe it was 10 overall to take Devin Bush. Um I don't I didn't have a note for who I wanted before they made that trade, but I knew if we were making that trade after we moved up, Devin Bush was the only guy I wanted there. Uh Devin Bush or uh, Devin White. Uh yeah, I think they both shared the first same name. Uh were the two guys I wanted coming into that draft more than anything, but I knew neither of them were gonna be there at the Steelers pick. So I was very happy with the trade up. Uh, we got the guy that I was I was really happy with, and it's worked out tremendous so far. So I'm like Josh. I'm a happy camper over here. Well, unlike the Jets, the Steelers know how to draft. Um, <laughs> in 2018, the first round pick for the Jets was also number three, in which they took quarterback Sam Darnold. Pre-draft, I had been talking a lot with Corwin at this point in time about the top three quarterbacks in this draft, which mm-hmm. before it shook out was uh, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. I, at the time recall being firmly in the Josh Rosen camp. Um, I, I probably had a lot to help with that because I know I was. Oh, uh, I mean, I think we can both give ourselves a break in that he was never given a fair chance. No, um, I- I'm still convinced he could be an exceptional quarterback if he was not given just the worst opportunities. Seriously, I mean, thrown into the absolute fire in Arizona and then got his ass shipped out to the hellscape that is currently the Miami Dolphins and probably ruined his career is probably over after this because he's got nothing to show for two entire seasons in the NFL and NFL moves quickly with player turnover. But mm-hmm. um, if I recall correctly, my ranking of them was uh, Josh Rosen and then Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold because I didn't want another USC quarterback because it feels like it never goes well for the Jets. And I would say it's going okay, <laughs> but the jury is also still out on Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's hard to say just because, one, he has Adam Gase's is head coach and that's which like always going to give him a major disadvantage yeah why why um, why i will never understand this fucking why sorry i'm sorry Still if I mad. You a little bit there <laughs> i hate oh never mind just keep going <laughs> um in all honesty i feel like uh uh what's the name of your it's not mccagnan anymore it's joe no douglas. it's joe douglas now yeah yeah uh, i think joe douglas is setting up a lot of his contracts, all his free agents essentially outside of Connor McGovern have been very, very limited as in uh, it's not longer than a year or two with the guaranteed money. So I think he's very much setting up for, we understand Adam Gase is most likely out after this year and the coach that we replace him with can come in without a whole lot of dead money there or players that he doesn't want on his team. So, have hope, my friend. Have hope. <sighs> I, I've tried having hope in the past. It's not gone well for me with this team, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, for 2018, uh, coming into the draft, uh, I had a couple guys that I didn't think were going to make it to the Steelers pick. Leighton Vander Esch, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, 
and Rashawn Evans were the three linebackers that I thought were uh, really good fits for the Steelers um, just because they so desperately needed uh, linebackers that they'd end up getting next year. Um, they ended up taking Terrell Edmonds, which I can honestly and confidently say I had never heard of before in my life. Um, other than he was the brother of the guy that I actually wanted. But since all three of those guys were taken before the Steelers pick anyway, uh, at the time I'd wanted a guy like Harold Landry to come in, uh, be an edge rusher opposite TJ Watt, because up to that point, Bud Dupree had not exactly been the kind of player that uh, he was drafted and expected to be, uh, very much uh, just underplaying his potential. So Harold Landry has definitely worked out. Those other three running backs have all definitely worked out. And I am fully expecting the Steelers to draft Terrell Edmonds' replacement this year, which we can go into after this little bit. True, true, true. Um, so, um, you know, hold your tongue, sir, when you say the Steelers are good at drafting because they sure as hell are not good at drafting defensive backs. All right, fine. You have one minor flaw. Suck a dick. You guys traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, Damn right. In 2017, the New York Jets drafted Jamal Adams. Uh, I wanted them to draft Jamal Adams. I think it's worked out pretty swimmingly. And end of sentence. (laughs) Um, I hate that there are so many rumors about trading Jamal Adams because I think... Well, yeah, I get it. He's a very high-paid safety for a position that's not exactly the most valuable. But, God, he just does so much for that team that I don't know how you could trade him away. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just coming out of Adams' camp. Um, if anyone doesn't isn't familiar with the personality of Jamal Adams, it is um, egotistical. <laughs> uh, I yeah. don't get me wrong. It seems like a very, uh, seems like he's probably a good dude, you know, but it's like, imagine every single stereotype of like a college D1 athlete um, and like the stuff they'd post on Instagram. And that's just who he is like three years in the NFL. It's creepy and weird. Um, and I'm very willing to bet that all of these trade rumors are direct coming directly from him and his management in an attempt to drive up price. Um, I think Joe Joe Douglas has said, like, look, we're just waiting for after the draft. So I'm willing to bet that, like, after the draft, they'll handle it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not really worried. If he goes, I'll be annoyed for sure. He's, Mm -hmm. as you said, it's not like a dire positional need for anybody ever. But, fuck, he's like the face of the team right now. Um, But, yeah, it's a whatever situation. Um. I you had told me about how crazy his Instagram was, and I think we like I went on it live on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, but wow, that was that was something else. That was an if, experience. If you're ever wondering, you know, meander over to his to his Twitter page, and I, here's what you'll see: every single post will be a random picture of him from a game or practice at some point in time with a completely unrelated quote unquote in inspirational quote um, about like haters or something like that. It's insane. It's like, you know, when you watch a TV show 
and there's like a TV show in the background of that TV show, and the background TV show is just like generic TV show nonsense. That's how Jamal Adams's tweets are. <laughs> it, you know what? Like, if the Jets traded him and had to give the fans actual reasoning, I think they could say his Twitter freaks us out, and fans would be like, "We don't like it," but damn, I get it. I fucking get it. If that was the genuine actual reason I would that's my exact reaction. I'd be like, oh, so he was probably like a fucking psychopath in the locker room. <laughs> Un- understood. I've seen his tweets. Oh yeah. Um so what year? That was 2017, right? Yes. Um this is this was a good year for me. I wanted more than anything else in the world for the Steelers to draft TJ Watt. And boy, when they drafted TJ Watt, I went ballistic at my house. I, were you over that year for the draft with Ethan? I believe I was. Yeah, I think I, I witnessed the cum explosion. I, it, <laughs> you joke, but pretty close. Um, I love that man. Uh, I still love that man. I'm so happy he has panned out to be, you know, essentially the runner-up for defensive player of the year this year. Um, Highlight highlight of this exercise. I can imagine. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself, San Diego. Uh we down to twenty sixteen then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get any better. God, it really doesn't. Uh in twenty sixteen, the Jets had the twentieth pick in the draft that year. We actually did well the season before that. And they drafted Darren Lee, who is no longer on the team. And I don't think he's in football anymore. So that should tell you how that is for the Saints. Really? Yeah, I want to say he does. I'm pretty sure he had like a decent year. I might be thinking of the wrong guy. Uh, he played on Kansas City last year. I was going to say, I knew he was with Kansas City, but yeah. I don't think he got his con. I don't think he played in the playoffs for them. He had uh, 31 combined tackles for them. I don't know. I'll try and find the game logs for 2019. Uh, No, he did not. Yeah, so he's more than likely um, practice squad or or out. Uh, Although looking through this draft, this is a pretty fucking sad draft for like everybody. Um, I don't really recall who I'd want here. I remember being thrilled that we did well and it not mattering that much because this was coming off of the Jets 10 and 6 season where we just missed going to the playoffs in a week 17 heartbreaking loss to Buffalo against Rex Ryan. Um, we were too far in, back in the draft for me to know any of the names, so I don't actually recall desperately wanting anybody. Um, it's funny looking at uh, the Jets taking Darren Lee at 20 and then seeing the two guys with huge, huge medical red flags in Jalen Smith and Miles Jack uh, taken in the second round who, you know, both have turned out to, you know, the red flags turned out to be nothing and it's worked out for them. But uh, it's a shame because I think those, either one of those guys would easily have been the pick for the Jets there if they fell uh, and didn't have those kind of issues. Cause or how about Michael Thomas at number 47? Yeah, I mean, there's so many guys there, like Kenny Clark. There's, um, let's see, Chris Jones, Xavier Howard, Reggie Rat. Like, there's so many guys. Jackson in the Lynch. Back. Well, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the Steelers going into the draft, I really, really wanted William Jackson, the third cornerback uh, out of Houston, I believe. Instead, um, you got Jackson William, the third. What a shame. <laughs> Steelers just wrote it wrong. Um, no, the, <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, I honestly wish I knew more stories that have occurred like that. Um, I've definitely known of shit happening like that in fantasy. Um, guys like Adrian Peterson of the Bears being drafted in the first round. Oh, that's uh, tragic. Yeah, I think someone did it. I think like Mark did it in our league. I wouldn't even be surprised. No, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't notice after. Oh, God, he's a fucking um, idiot. <laughs> and he doesn't listen to this podcast. So yeah, 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 fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Cincinnati Bengals took him one pick before the Steelers, um, which was devastating because. They took Artie Burns. Um, at the time, I really wanted uh, Mackenzie Alexander after William Jackson was taken. Um, Artie Burns has ended up being a major bust and just a truly unplayable cornerback. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander has been good, but not great. Uh, kind of a, a rotational guy for the Vikings. And William Jackson has been exceptionally good when healthy, but not always healthy. So. Nice, hurts, but it doesn't exactly pour salt in me. Oh, well, we're gonna pour salt in my wounds. You ready for 2015? I'm ready. All right. Um, so in 2015, the Jets had the number six overall pick. We use it to draft defensive end Leonard Williams, um, who is also no longer on the Jets. Um, Oh, God, it hurts so much. I actually remember wanting Leonard Williams. He was This was considered a great pick at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate he had a pretty solid rookie season and then literally just like slowly got less and less productive every year to the point where we've talked about him on the podcast several times in recent episodes and not for good reasons. Um, this was a bad draft for both New York teams as the Giants. <laughs> this is the Eric Flowers draft. Yeah, um, really? But yeah, Leonard Williams, no bueno. Um, it's what I wanted, but it wasn't good. Uh, just looking through this first round, this is a dog shit draft. This is not good. Like Amari Cooper, great pick. Dante Fowler, okay pick. Brandon Scherf, really good. And then after Leonard Williams, it's like Vic Beasley had like one really good season. Todd Gurley has been really good, but not so much anymore. I mean, it, and it's a whole lot of up and down after that. Not a great draft class overall. Regardless. Um, yeah. yeah De- Devontae Parker has had flashes. Melvin Gordon De- is, is good for sure. Injured sometimes, but good. Marcus Peters has been good. Um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. There's not a lot of names here. Yeah, wow, this Jones is bad. Paid, but... Lennon Collins got paid. He, I'm not sure he totally deserved it all, but he got paid. For real. Yeah, um, this is sad. Speaking of Landon Collins, uh, in this class, the Steelers took Bud Dupree at pick 22, uh, outside linebacker out of Kentucky. Um, he wasn't a guy that I necessarily didn't want, but with Landon Collins uh, there at safety, uh, I just I didn't think he was a guy that we could pass on with even with some red flags. 
uh, for I think it was like character or drug stuff. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, we took Bud Dupree. I would have said any other year leading up to this that it was a major disappointment because Landon Collins has been exceptional. Bud Dupree was very much not. But this year, it finally all came together, and Bud Dupree has looked like an actual star at defense or outside linebacker for us. So I'll hold my tongue. I'll hold my tongue. All uh, right. Honestly, no, I still would like Landon Collins to be the pick just because it would have prevented us from drafting Terrell Evans. <laughs> honestly, fair enough. I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, this I also a, recall what. Sorry, just as a. Hey, y'all, everything sounds different because uh, we were recording this, uh, I think as we mentioned, Wednesday night, the night before this releases, and Discord servers crashed, ending our recording session, um, and we went offline for a while, so there was more to this, but nothing pressing, so we're just going to wrap it here. Um, I'm, this sounds vastly different because I'm recording straight into the laptop because it's late and I need rest. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, keep up with the live tweet and the quorum we'll be doing during the draft later today. You can do so at Juicing Pod. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. We will also tweet out our movie picks because we got uh, cut off today and didn't get the chance to keep an eye out for those. All right.